The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 93. Today is Monday, May the 28th, Memorial Day. So, of course, we have to kick off the program by thanking those brave men and women who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives fighting for our country so that we can do the things that we love. And, of course, today represents... Also, the start of summer and barbecues and beers and everything like that. But please keep in mind while you're doing all those fun things that a lot of people had to give their lives to make it all possible. So, uh, you know, raise a drink to them and think about them today and every other day. And of course, while we're on the same sentiment here, let's thank all the active men and women in the military, as well as the veterans. Thank you for your service. Uh, I know. You both have your days respectively, but there's never a bad time to give thanks for our brothers and sisters in the American military. And with that, let me introduce my co-host all the way from New Jersey, who is uh, playing Super Mario Brothers for real today with doing a little plumbing that pushed the show back a little bit. Let me introduce Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff. How you doing up there, man? Installing a, a water heater today, uh, from from what I heard. How did that go? Because uh, uh, I'm pretty sure you started this morning, and it is now 6:33 in the PM. So, uh, <laughs> how you feeling, my friend? Oh uh, man, I'm a little beat, but I I got hot water again, so it was worth it. But uh, it took seven. It took about seven hours. And most of it was just finding certain parts because um, we had the right part, but it wouldn't fit. Like the heater was a different size from the one we had, and uh, it was a little bit more running around than I expected. But it's done. Uh, we got a couple more things to take care of, but we got hot water, so that's good. And Bill, <clears throat> excuse me, before we even get into the episode, I'm doing a uh, Holocaust novel with my middle school class right now. And, you know, it really puts things into perspective, man. A big thank you to all those men and women who have served, who are serving, because Bill, I mean, we could be speaking German right now if it weren't for those amazing men and women who who gave everything for us to, you know, enjoy the freedoms that we have. Yeah, nine, nine Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Uh, <laughs> we don't want that, but yeah, it, it's definitely important to think about for sure, um, and, and not just on Memorial Day, but but any other day because I think we take our freedoms. Uh, for granted a lot of times in this country you know you and i have the freedom to do a podcast that we broadcast to tens of people every week uh <laughs> where we get to talk about the things that we love drinking and fighting and speaking of drinking what's more american than bourbon jeff so uh i'm drinking a little bit of widow jane bourbon here so i'm holding it up for the people on youtube here you can see that nice caramel color uh it's a little bit light because i had a ice cube in it so my sister and her boyfriend came to visit for a week last week, which is why we didn't do an episode. Uh, I appreciate everybody who bugs me when we don't do an episode because that means that 
you're actually listening to the show and it means something to you. And that means a lot to us uh, when you're bugging us when we miss a week. But uh, what can I say? I had family in town and uh, there wasn't a very exciting card last week, the Kamaro Usman and Damian Maya card. I didn't watch it. Jeff, I don't believe you watched it either. I saw a couple of clips of Kamaro Usman punching Damian Maya in the foot. And I was like, all right, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> in any case, Widow Jane Bourbon. This comes from up in your neck of the woods, Jeff, uh, from Brooklyn, New York. And there we go. Trying to get it so the people on YouTube can see the label here. So Widow Jane is distilled in Red Hook, Brooklyn, uh, which is kind of a mecca in the New York City area now for like craft alcohol and food and everything like that. A uh, very hipstery community that really cares about uh, local ingredients and everything like that. So what makes this whiskey so good is that it uses uh, water that's filtered through a limestone mine in Rosendale, New York. So a lot of people always kind of question the fact that the water is what makes the pizza and the bagel so good in New York. Like New York is a heavily populated area. How do they have such clean and good tasting water? And that's because the water in New York city comes from a little bit further upstate in the mountains. So the water that was used to make this 10 year aged uh, American Oak bourbon uh, is filtered through the widow Jane pure limestone mines. Uh, which gives it a very unique flavor. It gives it like a very earthy flavor. It's super smooth. It's uh, 91 proof, so it, it's got a little bit of burn to it, but with one ice cube or a little bit of water, it really hits the spot. So uh, my sister's boyfriend actually brought this uh, bottle for me because it came down from New York. So definitely appreciate that. And, uh, you know, with with family in town and... Uh, taking some time off of work, Jeff, my liver is a little bit swollen, but you know, we, we, we got to salute the troops with a, a little bit of American made booze here. Uh, I don't think they would have it any other way, at least not the veterans that I hang out with. So any thoughts on the widow Jane, Jeff, and, uh, have you been drinking anything interesting yourself or, or are you on a little hiatus? Yeah, Bill. Um, <clears throat> the the widow Jane sounds really, really interesting. I might have to check it out since it's a little more local. Um, and Bill, I've been taking a little bit of a break uh, just because I've been super busy um, with this new teaching job and stuff. And um, but next weekend, well, yeah, next weekend, this weekend coming up, Saturday. Um, <laughs> Calendars are hard. <laughs> Yeah, I am actually going to a concert, so I'll probably be sipping on some yingling. Nice. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. So you traded in the uh, traded in the booze for a plumber's wrench for a little while, and uh, now you got some hot water. So you, <laughs> you got to go out and get yourself a bottle of Widow, Widow Jane so you can have a hot shower and a cold bourbon. It's a, it's a good combination. All right, so let's get into some fight talk. Um, like I said, I'm just going to bypass the card from last week because uh, I don't think anything significant really came out of it. Uh, I don't think it was a big surprise that Kamaru Usman was able to keep the fight on the feet and hold Damian Maya at bay and punch him in the foot while he was on the ground. Um, I, I don't think it really has severe implications in the welterweight division, but I believe the event that took place yesterday morning or yesterday, early yesterday afternoon in Liverpool uh, did have a little bit more significance 
for the welterweight division. So Darren Till edges out a decision over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And unfortunately, we have to start on a negative note here. And you know how I hate being negative, Jeff, but Darren Till did miss weight by three and a half pounds, which I find completely unacceptable, especially if you're put in a main event spot and this is the second time he's missed weight and you're, you're looking to get a title shot. You can't come in three and a half pounds overweight. And then the stipulations that were put in place were Stephen Thompson would get 30% of Darren Till's purse. So win or lose, however much money Darren Till makes, Stephen Thompson takes 30% of that, just like the government would. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know what the taxes are like in England, and he's getting paid over there, but that's got to suck. I mean, you, you lose 30% to your opponent, you give another 30% to the government, and then you're left with uh, a third of the money that you could have made. Uh, so that sucks. And I understand he did have a family emergency that interrupted his weight cut and he only had like 10 pounds to go or something. But, uh, I, I don't think like taking a couple of hours off your weight cut should throw it off that much. Um, he's obviously really huge for this division. And the other stipulation was that, uh, by 1 PM local time, the day after weigh-ins, he would have to be under 188 pounds. And he just barely made that. So 18 pounds over the agreed <laughs> the agreed weight for these two to compete, and he struggled to make that. Uh, so and he definitely looked a lot bigger. He looked very sluggish during this fight after cutting weight twice. I do believe that Stephen Thompson won four of the five rounds and that Darren Till won the fifth round. But when the fight ended, I said out loud to my buddy who I was watching the fight with that Steven Thompson won that fight four rounds to one, but the decision will go to Darren Till. Uh, the judging was a little wonky last night. There was one judge who kept causing split decisions that were um, head scratchers, to be honest. So I wasn't surprised by the decision. I don't think it was a total robbery since Darren Till uh, was the more aggressive fighter, um, but I felt like he swung and missed a lot at Steven Thompson and some things appeared to land, but didn't uh, Thompson was basically didn't have a scratch on him. Uh, Till looked like a little worse for the wear after this fight, uh, aside from uh, Thompson's lead leg. What were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Uh, who did you think won when it was over? And do you think the decision went the right way? So here's my opinion. Unfortunately, I thought that Steven Thompson did just enough to win. Uh, I feel like he got robbed a little bit, but it was such a close contest, Bill, that honestly I thought it could have gone either way. And I thought because they're in Liverpool, it's where Darren Till is from, I figured they would give it to him uh, if it was as close as it appeared to be. And honestly, Bill, um, my I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. And I, I'm going to say that the things that won Darren Till the fight were those uh, leg kicks that you were talking about mm -hmm. really took away a lot of Thompson's movement. It made it possible for Till to be able to back Thompson up against the cage and unload a little bit. And I think the knockdown in, I want to say it was the fourth or fifth round. Fifth round, yeah. Uh, I uh, that he landed a really nice left hook on Thompson. I think that might have won on the fight as well. I kind of had this one three to two for Stephen Thompson, but I can definitely see the argument for Darren Till winning this one. Yeah, it seems like Stephen Thompson had a little bit of trouble pulling the trigger. Uh, I think he was put off a little bit by Darren Till's size, and he had uh, similar problems with Tyron Woodley, 
where he would fire off and then not really finish his combinations. He would only throw, you know, one or two strikes at a time. Uh, and a, a lot of times that's enough, but when you're, you're fighting bigger, stronger guys, you, you got to follow those combinations up with a little bit more. Uh, he was really quick to get inside with that one, two, and then get back out to kicking range, which I thought was really impressive. He looked so light on his feet. His movement was awesome. Uh, I always say this about wonder boy has very unorthodox movement, obviously not just with his offense, but with his defense, he doesn't move his head much. He moves his entire body off the center line and Darren till wasn't able to find his head, uh, until the fifth round. So it took a while at the end of the fight. Darren till even said, uh, Steven wonder boy Thompson deserves a title shot before him because he's beaten everybody. And till said, I haven't beaten anybody and I want to beat the entire roster and he called them uh fucking cunts and uh he was swearing quite a bit and this was on fox so it was all bleeped out but you can hear the unedited version there are videos posted on twitter and instagram everything like that so what do you think is next for these two guys jeff um wonder boy obviously is in a very awkward predicament because he dropped uh, a really close decision to tyron the champ tyron woodley and they're not going to make that fight again anytime soon because they fought to a draw the first time. And then, you know, there was the close decision that was very similar fight to last night. Uh, not a lot of strikes thrown. And it, it was really like, uh, you know, it was really a methodical battle, but, um, I, I actually found this fight a little bit more interesting than the fight with Tyron Woodley. I felt like there was just more tension and there was more possibility for one guy or the other to explode. And it never really happened. It was just kind of like watching a stick of dynamite that was lit. And then it gets down to the bottom and, and it doesn't explode. Uh, but in any case, Jeff, what would you like to see next for both of these gentlemen? Hmm. That is a tough one. Darren too. Hmm. I know he just beat the number one guy, but I'm not sure if he maybe deserves someone in the top five. Um, I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to see him against like a Colby Covington or uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, who are both tied up at the moment. So it's a little tough for Dar uh, for me. Um, but as for Steven Thompson, um, I guess I don't think his stock goes down at all because like you said, Darren Till looked gigantic in there. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I kind of want to see Thompson get it on with uh, Donald Cerrone if they haven't already. And as for Darren Till, I kind of want to see him take on a wrestler, uh, maybe a um, Kamaru Usman type. Yeah. Uh, Darren Till said that he kind of would struggle against, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, against uh, uh, one of these high-level grapplers. Yeah, I, I would like to see him uh, against a strong wrestler. I think Kamaru Usman is the fight to make with him since he's just coming off the win over Damian Maya. The title is tied up in this division because Tyron Woodley's taking some time off. Kobe Covington and Javier Dos Santos are fighting for the interim welterweight championship coming up pretty soon. So I, I wouldn't be mad at uh, Wonder Boy taking on the loser of that fight, Dos Santos and Covington. I think that would be a great matchup. I think Till and Covington would be great. I think the trash talk would be epic. So maybe if Covington loses uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, he could fight Till, but I really do think that uh, Till and Usman is the fight to make. And I know Till has had some back and forth with Mike Perry, and that would be a great fight, and the buildup would be awesome, but Perry's coming off 
like 12 losses or something. So <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So let's take a look at the rest of this card, which was largely a night of, of amazing comebacks where guys were getting the crap beaten out of them and then uh, come back to pull a victory out of nowhere. That was not the case with the co-main event, however, where Neil Magny smothered newcomer Craig White, local boy who stepped up on short notice to replace the injured Gunnar Nelson. Uh, so Magny just, you got to give credit to Magny, takes takes a short notice fight against this young local kid uh, who has quite a lot of knockouts and is basically an unknown. And Magny wanted to stay in the fight and stay active. So uh, he had a really nice quick knee up against the cage uh, where White's uh, head was pinned against the cage and, and Magny just put him down, finished him off with punches. Uh, really great performance for Neil Magny. Craig White, I feel like, uh, you know, you got to respect him for, for stepping up on short notice to take on the number nine uh, fighter in the division in the welterweight division. So uh, what were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, I thought Neil Magny went in there and took care of business, man. And like you said, all credit to Craig White for stepping up on, on such short notice and Neil Magny for taking the fight. You know, uh, it's an unknown. You're, you yourself are a top 10 guy. It's really risky to take a fight like that. But he went in there and took care of it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, things looking good for Magny. I would still personally like to see the Magny-Gunnar Nelson fight. I, I think that once Gunnar Nelson heals up, I and I think... Uh, you know, Magni didn't take any damage really in this fight. So I think that one can come together pretty soon. Um, and I, I think they would be both be up for that. I, I would like to really see that fight. Would you like to see anything different for, you know, Magni coming off this, Jeff? No, I actually, I agree. I still want to see him get on with Gunnar Nelson, who is, you know, solid all around. So I think that'll be definitely a very fun fight to watch. Yeah, for sure. So the fight right before that was one of these fights that I was talking about, which was a stellar comeback out of nowhere. So Arnold Allen getting what they're calling a guillotine choke. Uh, I think the official call was a front choke uh, when they first read the decision. Uh, but Mads Burnell was beating the crap out of him for two and a half rounds. And Allen pulled a choke out of his ass and wrapped it around Burnell's neck. Uh, he locked up like what we would call in jujitsu a super guillotine where you have to have really long arms to pull this off. And he brought Brunel to the ground and they kind of flipped over. It's very awkward to describe. I don't think I could really do it justice by just describing it with words. You'd have to go back and watch it. Uh, what were your thoughts on this, uh, last minute comeback finish by Arnold Allen, Jeff? Super impressed, man. I thought he was out. I thought that Brunel had it. Um, he was just beating uh, Arnold Allen up. And I guess at the end, he got a little too cocky with his takedowns. His head was a little uh, too far away from Allen's body. And he locked up that, I guess, front choke, I guess is what they're calling it. And, you know, it was his grip was like a rear naked choke grip. But he even when they went down... Uh, Burnell was trying to like spin out of it and Allen just held on, never let go of it. And the squeeze was just too much for Burnell. Yeah. His, his head had kind of bent over Allen's hands. So uh, his neck was in a, a very twisted space and probably put a lot of pressure on his spine as well. It looked really painful. And, uh, you know, 
he may have been able to work his way out of it because of the positioning, but the just the way he landed with his back on the mat and then his chin and his balls, um, there <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Uh, so go back and check that one out if you didn't watch this card. And then what I believe was the fight of the night, uh, and just so awesome to see these two talking shit to each other and knocking each other to the mat and uh grappling like this this is everything you want out of an mma fight and that was uh makwan americani and jason knight uh affectionately known as hick diaz so in the first round it was all americani uh just kind of having his way with jason knight but then all of a sudden he got dropped uh twice i believe in that first round and at one point he was on top of jason knight and sticking his tongue out and then he was talking shit to him and then in the second round jason knight came back and then he was in there talking shit and then the third round was basically americani controlling jason knight on the ground and all jason knight could really do is is lock up uh, a rubber guard which is basically when you grab your own leg around your opponent's neck and there are submission setups from this rubber guard but i don't think it's really an effective move for mma it's more of a stalling tactic uh to just control your opponent's posture uh, a lot of guys at this level are not going to fall for submissions from the rubber guard they're just going to kind of wait it out and let you burn out your grips and that's pretty much what amir Connie did but i would watch these two guys fight on every single card jeff they put on a show well what were your thoughts on this one yeah there was this was definitely a fun fight to watch uh it was funny uh especially going into the second round uh when jason knight starts yelling at amir Connie, you got no chin boy <laughs> <laughs> It was awesome, super entertaining. Um, I I would love to see these guys get it on again. That was definitely a lot of fun. But Bill, as we go down the card, I'm going to give you my fight of the night. I have a little bit of a different opinion, but this was definitely a contender. Go for it. Well, let's just jump to what it was then, because don't don't only mean suspense, Jeff. All right. So uh, in the prelims, which were on FS1 as well, um, the Italian fighter. Carlo Pedersoli beat Brad Scott um, over three rounds. I didn't think it was a split decision, <clears throat> but Brad Scott um, looking good in the first round. And then after that, Pedersoli found his range a little bit, was throwing some really nice strikes, and was even uh, grappling Brad Scott a little bit. They, um, yeah, I believe it was the second or third round, Brad Scott went for this guillotine and he was trying to roll on top of Pedersoli to finish. And what Pedersoli did was he used one of his arms as like a fulcrum to keep Brad Scott from getting on top of him. And overall, just really nice performance. I believe that was his UFC debut, um, but he just looked good in there. Yeah, for a while, it's split decision. <laughs> I, loved, I loved his post-fight interview. <laughs> but I'm glad you brought this fight up because back-to-back -back with the Jason uh, Knight fight, the, these are the two fights on the car that were split decisions, and I have no idea why, because Pedersoli clearly was the dominant one in the latter two rounds of this fight, and uh, Amir Khani clearly won two fights, uh, two rounds against Jason Knight. So there was one judge in there uh, who, you know, sh shouldn't have shouldn't have been working. That was it was just. Like, what are they watching? But, yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that fight up. That was another great one from the undercard. So if you didn't catch the prelims, 
go back and check those out. Um, and then another one of these awesome comebacks that came in the first round was Claudio Henrique da Silva against Nordin Taleb. Nordin Taleb was putting the spank on da Silva in this first round. Uh, he was just battering him uh, mercilessly. And then it went to the ground. Uh, da Silva got a takedown and then took Taleb's back. And with 29 seconds left in the first round, secured a rear naked choke. It was it was another awesome comeback, and it it seemed to be a night of those where one guy was getting the worst of the beating and then came out of nowhere with a submission victory. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, I was impressed with Claudio Silva. I thought he yeah, like you said, he was getting the business, and then once they hit the ground, totally different fight. And Silva, it looked like the the choke was tight, but it didn't look like it was under the chin. It looked like it was on the chin and bill, you know, those, uh, some guys just have that squeeze where even if they're on your chin, they're just crushing your face and your jaw and it's super uncomfortable. And I guess to didn't, didn't see any way to get out of it. So he decided to just tap, which is probably the best option. Yeah. It looked like his arm was just like, it looked like it was actually melting his chin to his chest where it just kept crushing it down and down. And then you couldn't even see that he had a chin anymore. And I was just like, I was cringing a little bit like, Oh, tap please. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was, that was a really slick submission. And then uh, Darren Stewart knocked out Eric Spicely. Uh, no comeback here. Really? Uh, the, the first round was pretty uneventful. And then once Darren Stewart found his range and started landing on Spicely and Spicely couldn't get the fight to the ground where he wanted it. Uh, it was, it was lights out for him and uh, kind of a similar situation with Tom Breeze, the young kid uh, facing the old man who's held together with duct tape, Daniel Kelly. And then I'll give you one more, Jeff. Uh, Jillian Robertson on the prelims choking out Molly McCann, who was a highly touted uh, British newcomer who is a, a really high level striker and she was supposed to be a big deal on this card also didn't make weight and apparently she can't wrestle so <laughs> out of these three fights jeff which one would you like to comment on uh if not all of them uh all of them were pretty interesting i for some reason i'm blanking on the stewart spicily finish but um jillian robertson against molly mccann dude uh, Robertson, I believe she's a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. She got the tightest uh, rear naked choke on this card. Um, Molly McCann fought it off for like a few seconds, and she immediately went out. Her body was even like spazzing a little bit um, after Robertson let go of the choke. That was nasty. Yeah, yeah, she had the mean squeeze. Uh, and this day and age, at this level of competition – you got to have some wrestling. Am I right, Jeff? I mean, uh, I mean, not to take anything away from Robertson, but the first single leg, the first single leg she hit on McCann, she just snatched her leg up and ran the pipe and brought her down. Textbook takedown. McCann did nothing to defend it. She didn't put the head down. She didn't try and sprawl. Uh, she didn't try and whizzer. She didn't do anything. She just fell on her back and then got slapped around on the ground and came out very... Uh, disheartened in the second round and she defended a little bit more in that second round, but still was taken down very easily. Uh, and you know, you saw the rest. So she's got to get herself into some wrestling. And then, uh, Elias Theodoro 
getting a decision win. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, not really much to talk about. Uh, anything else on this card, Jeff, before we move on to some, some news and, and preview the Utica card here? No, overall, I thought it was a good card. A uh, lot of finishes, a lot of good fights. So if you missed this one, this is definitely one that I think we can both agree is one to go back and check out. Yeah, for sure. And uh, before we move on from this too, I want to give a shout out to my buddy, Jeff Bogman, who uh, I train with at the jiu-jitsu gym here at Gracie Clearwater. He came over to watch the fights and he brought over a mixed six pack of British beers for the Liverpool card, which I thought was kind of cool. And the one that sticks out to me the most is uh, Samuel Smith. It was an apricot beer, which is, uh, it was really sweet, um, but not too sweet. Cause you know, I, I don't really care for sweets, Jeff, but uh, it was really nice. I couldn't have done too many of them, but it, you know, if you like, if you like those fruity style beers, or if you like the taste of apricot and, then uh, definitely check this out. It, it reminded me kind of like a Magic Hat number nine. I don't know if you've ever had that, Jeff, but uh, a little bit more on the sweet side from that one, uh, but definitely tasty. So we had some good beers um, and good fights. So let's move on from this. Before we preview the Utica card, there were a couple of things uh, when we last spoke, Jeff, two weeks ago that we didn't talk about. And there's been some news since then. So Nick Diaz was arrested um, for a, a domestic violence charge. Uh, you look a little confused. Have you you've heard about this? Um, I I knew he got arrested. I didn't know what for. I know you sent me an article, but it was it was a weird day. I think we were testing or something, so I didn't get a chance to totally look at it. Sure. But under the understanding that it was like a drug charge, like possession or something? No, no, no. So what happened was he allegedly had beaten up a girl and broke her hip and choked her out. And when the story first broke, the details were very exaggerated. They said that he choked the girl unconscious, he broke her hip, he fought the arresting officers, and then once he was brought to jail in holding... Uh, he fought the officers there. Apparently, none of that was true. And we don't have confirmation whether or not the battery charges were true. But people close to Nick Diaz are saying that the woman who called the police is someone who has been stalking him for a while. Uh, he He wasn't returning her text messages. She had been threatening him for a long time saying that she was going to call the police on him and do and kind of pull a, a stunt like this. Um, now I, I never want to be one to think that someone filing a claim of domestic violence is lying or doing it for attention. But unfortunately there are cases where, you know, people have uh, mental disabilities and they live in distorted realities so uh part of me you know wants to believe the victim here and then there's a part of me that doesn't want to believe that nick diaz is capable of such a horrific act so uh before i really have an opinion on it i want to wait until we have all the details and he's officially charged with something or officially released or you know we find out more of the story because it's all kind of third-party information at this point there i haven't seen anything that looks like official information and again like i said when the story first broke there were all these 
extra details thrown in that were really dramatic and uh, I don't really care for that the clickbait kind of stuff uh, so I won't even give any sources for it because you know people are just trying to get views on their website which I understand I don't agree with it but uh, you know I, I like to hear the real story so we need we have to have some some primary sources here before we uh, pass judgment on Nick Diaz. Uh, and uh, again, I, I do hope that it's not true. Uh, as you know, Jeff, I've met Nick Diaz and, and I've had drinks with him and his brother and Jake Shields, and they were all super cool to me. And I've yet to tell that whole story on this podcast. I've been waiting for one of the Diaz brothers to have another fight coming up. And, uh, you know, we'll have to save that one for another day uh, when these guys are in a more positive light. And speaking of his brother, Nate, uh, there was a rumor that was put out by Dana White that Nate Diaz was going to fight George St. Pierre, and Nate basically came out and said, that's not true at all. I have not accepted this fight. And then George St. Pierre appeared on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he said that fight would make no sense for me. So sometimes, and, and this is a marketing thing, Jeff, too, uh, the company will put out fake news, so to speak, just to kind of gauge reactions from the fans to see what they think about it, and then also pressure fighters into taking fights. So that was a thing that happened, and in a similar situation, the UFC said that Yair Rodriguez would be facing Zabit Magomed Shapirov, the up-and-coming Dagestani fighter uh, who looked amazing in his last fight against Kyle Bokniak. So the UFC was trying to pressure Yair Rodriguez into taking that fight against a lower-ranked opponent, and Yair Rodriguez just tweeted hashtag fake news, and the UFC cut him. Uh, so there, there were some stories that Yair Rodriguez had turned down a fight against Ricardo Lamas that was not entirely true. He accepted the fight with Lamas, and then the UFC called it off, so Yair went on vacation, and then they called him when he was on vacation and said, you know, the fight's back on, and he said, no, it's not enough time. I'm not going to do it. So in the UFC's eyes, that was strike one. And then strike two was turning down the Shapirov fight. And then strike three was tweeting uh, fake news. So they caught him. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence on that decision, but I know I just gave you a lot of information, Jeff. So the Nate Diaz, George St. Pierre fight uh, being put out there as fake news by the UFC shot down by both fighters. And then Yair Rodriguez getting cut. Uh, let me get your opinion on both of these things here. Yeah, I mean, the Nate Diaz, George St. Pierre fight, it just it doesn't make sense. It's too out of nowhere. Um, I mean, I guess you could go with the angle that GSP beat Nick Diaz already. Um, but again, like I said, there's it, it doesn't tell too much of a story. Um, so that's kind of hard to build up. I mean, GSP is such a nice guy, and Nate Diaz walks out of interviews. So it's kind of hard to market that. And as for the... Uh, Yair Rodriguez getting cut. I'm a little upset. I mean, I see why the UFC did it, but I feel like Yair Rodriguez, he's one of these guys that just has so much potential, man. So it's it's hard to see him go, you know? Yeah, for sure. I Like I said, I'm a little bit on the fence on that situation. Uh, I'm totally with you on the Nate Diaz-GSP situation. That fight didn't make any sense at all, and I can see why both fighters turned it down. It, it just doesn't make sense for them, but it does seem... Like, if GSP is going to fight again, it will be at 155 pounds. We did get that much out of the Joe Rogan interview. If you guys haven't listened to it, I recommend it. It's a it's a pretty good interview. It gives 
a lot of insight. George St. Pierre, a very interesting character, very strange guy. As far as Yair Rodriguez goes, now, Jeff, you always know I have these two sides of my brain. There's the corporate side and there's the MMA fan side. Uh, I have to side a little bit more corporate on this one. And I understand why the UFC did what they did because they can't let the fighters who are not making money call the shots. You have to let these lower ranked guys, uh, you know, earn their right to do that. So, you know, obviously there are your exceptions like Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey and, and fighters like this who are able to call shots because they bring money into the company. And there was potential for that with Yair Rodriguez. Young kid, Mexican. We know how the Mexicans love their fighters. You know, uh, Mexican boxers are amongst the most loved athletes on the planet. And I feel like there was potential for that with Yair. But he just got smashed by Frankie Edgar and showed that uh, he couldn't hang with the elite. And then he became a little bit arrogant because he did have some flashy knockouts. He has some front flip knockouts and crazy shit like this. But, you know, he's still pretty new to the company. So you can't be turning things down and then trying to embarrass the higher ups, uh, you know, with a with a witty tweet when you haven't earned that right yet so i can see where the ufc is coming from and you know i hope he gets signed somewhere else and maybe finds his way back or find success somewhere else i definitely don't wish anything bad upon him i i would not i would prefer if they didn't cut him but i can definitely understand you know why that had to be done uh, from a business perspective and it's unfortunate but uh this is a business and it has to make money and if you're making it difficult to make money, you know, they don't want to waste their time. They have 600 something fighters to worry about. Uh, they can't be chasing you down to make a fight happen that frankly, the fans wanted to see. I would love to see that fight with Zabit. And uh, yeah, so that's what it is. And that's what we're left with. So we have a, a really fun card to look forward to in Utica next week. On June 1st, it's UFC Fight Night 131 from the Adirondack Bank Center in Utica, New York, and it is headlined by top bantamweight contenders Jimmy Rivera and Marlon Marais. Uh, both of these guys have been on fire lately. Marais obviously coming off that devastating knockout of Aljamain Sterling and Jimmy Rivera coming off a, an impressive uh, decision win over Thomas Almeida and then also over Uriah Faber and Rivera's kind of been hanging in the background uh, waiting for a title shot but I think that that's going to be tied up for a little while uh, you know with the top three and TJ Dillashaw uh, Cody Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz what are your thoughts on this main event Jeff before we jump into the rest of the card here which is actually really exciting I expect fireworks out of this main event Rivera super talented very technical Moraes has already made a splash in his first two or three fights in the bandweight division. He's announced that he's here uh, coming for the top guys. So I'm excited for this, man. I think it adds a little bit of um, – it adds a new element to the division. You know, it's a little bit of a rock, paper, scissors scenario going on right now with uh, TJ and Cody and um, Dominic Cruz. Um, I follow Dominic Cruz on Snapchat, so he's coming back. He's, he's in the gym. He's working hard. and you know, if one of these guys can throw their name in the mix, I think that maybe Cruz will 
will want a tune-up fight um, or a title eliminator against one of these guys. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. And and that would that would definitely be something great to see. And then you have Aljamain Sterling, of course, uh, waiting in the wings as well, coming off an impressive performance over Brett Johns in his last fight. Uh, he's over training in Ireland right now, actually. I just saw his Twitter. Uh, he's over training uh, some jujitsu with John Cavanaugh, which I thought was kind of cool to see in those guys interact. I always like when guys get out and, uh, you know, get out of their comfort zone and go, go train other places. So speaking of Aljamain Sterling, his teammate, John Vellante is fighting smiling Sam Alvey next week in Utica. And, Another fight that really jumps off the page to me is Gregor Gillespie or Gillespie. I, I can't remember if it's Gill or Jill and whichever one I say is always the wrong one. Uh, so you'd think I'd get it right by now. Uh, and he's fighting Vince Pichel, who is 11 and one Gillespie undefeated 11 and Oh, uh, he, both of these guys have ridiculous knockout power, but Gillespie, of course, uh, highly touted wrestling prospect. Uh, he was, uh, an outstanding, uh, amateur wrestler. So he's got that going for him. And I'll give you one more, Jeff Gleison Tebow and Desmond green, uh, and actually a really interesting lightweight contest. So which one of those sticks out to you the most for next Saturday night, my friend? Oh man. I'm really liking green versus Tebow and John Vellante versus Sam Alvey. I believe that they're both coming off of losses. Uh, don't quote me on that. I, I'm like 90% sure. So this will definitely be interesting for both of them. Volante, the local guy. Um, Bill, I also see Sajara Eubanks, who missed her chance at a title shot in this flyweight division because she couldn't make the weight. Let's see if she makes the weight this time. And also, I see Lentz versus Tamer. Um, Tamer, if, uh, for those of you who may not remember, he had a barn burner a couple of months back that I remember we actually spent a good amount of time talking about on the show. So, Bill, I'm excited. Up and down, this court looks phenomenal. So it looks like uh, Nick Lentz is fighting Leonardo Santos. And not to correct you, Jeff, but um, Sam Alvey is coming off that win against Marcin Procino. Prachnio, who was uh, the newcoming uh, Polish fighter who was supposed to come in and demolish him, and then Sam Alvey knocked him out. Alvey, it, it's easy to lose track of that guy because he's one of the most active guys on the roster. I feel like this guy's fighting like every other week. Um, and Bilal Muhammad fighting next week too. And then Walt Harris, Daniel Spitz, that should be a good fight as well. But I'm glad you uh, brought attention to Sajara Eubanks. Yeah, she had her chance to win that flyweight title, uh, you know, hopefully she's able to easily make weight here. She's got a tough test, a uh, tough veteran in Laura Murphy ahead of her. So, uh, this is a really solid card. Can't complain about this one for a free fight night here. Uh, any other thoughts on this card, Jeff? No, just looking at it up and down. Um, it looks good, but Bill, I'm on the UFC website right now. And for some reason it's saying that Tamor, that uh, Nick Lentz is fighting David Tamor. Oh. If maybe. Well, that might be correct. I'm looking, I'm looking on SureDog right now and there. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's like a late replacement or something. It could be. It, it could be that I could be looking at an outdated card. So um, either way, I'm tuning in for this one. This is going to be a good card. Uh, any other thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, just one last thought. Um, this card is actually not on Saturday. It is on Friday. Oh, June shit. 
You're right. I'm glad you pointed that out. I might have missed it. <laughs> but while you're watching Bellator, just turned off the TV. Yeah, Friday night fights. All right, that kind of frees up the weekend a little bit. That's kind of nice. I'm looking forward to it. I liked having the Sunday morning card yesterday. Um, I didn't get shit done because you know I'm day drinking watching the fights, and then they're over at whatever three or four o'clock, and then you know I'm shot for the rest of the day. I got you know I'm not gonna go out and do yard work after having six or seven British apricot beers or whatever the fuck and <laughs> the other thing jeff i want to bring this up too uh i i had the uh budweiser limited edition freedom reserve red lager and it was fucking delicious um you, you know you, you always have to be a little hesitant about these big breweries putting out uh new products because it's usually just like marketing push and whatever but it's really nice it's it's got a little sweetness to it, it i do really like a, a red ale every now and then and i feel like budweiser uh, did the right thing supposedly it was brewed by veterans uh for memorial day so and it is a limited release so if you're into the red ales and you were on the fence about this uh take my word for it go pick up a six pack or a 12 pack or a 39 pack or you know whatever you get your hands on and, and try it out ice them down and and uh down the hatch so uh, i think it'd be a great way to pay respect for the veterans on memorial day so if you're listening to this and it's still memorial day go and do that if you haven't had enough beers already so i think we'll call it a day here if you want to get a hold of jeff you can reach him at animal underscore wilson on twitter and you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send me an email, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. Don't be shy. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking out there. And again, apologies for missing the episode last week. So we'll be back again next week to break down this Utica card. And one last time, thank you to all the troops who have given their lives out there. And that's what we're thinking about today at the beginning and the end of the show and beyond the show. So thank you again to our military. And that's all we got until next week. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.